The nation of Lebanon, a failed country smaller than the American state of New Jersey, has done nothing to stop Iranian-backed terrorists from turning Lebanon into a launching pad to attack Israel. All the world should be cheering Israel for combating savage terrorism, but in reality, Israel faces almost universal condemnation instead. Jeremiah 37 describes the present existential danger to Israel. Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It will be a time of trouble unto Jacob, Israel, but he shall be saved out of it. At some point soon, the Bible predicts that the God of Israel will intervene, bringing a devastating blow to Israel's enemies. Furthermore, prophecy watchers anticipate that Jesus, Yeshua, will be welcomed back to Israel, and his reception will be a spiritual earthquake for the world. The Jerusalem Channel is made with the support of you, our viewers. Thank you for watching. Shalom, I'm Christine Dark. Change is coming to the whole Israeli society as many soldiers are becoming more religious, praying before and during battle. It's a dynamic that will trickle up from the battlefields to impact the entire nation. Soldiers no longer just pray by the prayer book, but now their prayers are literally flowing from their hearts. Psalms, such as Psalm 24, are being shouted with zeal and fervor, or they sing about the coming of Messiah. Stories of God's miraculous protection continue to circulate throughout the land. A letter written by an Israeli paratrooper has gone viral, saying the miracles we have witnessed enabling us to come home safely are nothing short of God's hand at work. In Israel, these brave young men and women in the IDF are being called the Victory Generation. A story first reported in Hebrew involves an elite Golani unit of the IDF that followed their commander to a tunnel in search of terrorists. But they were stopped near the tunnel's entrance by what appeared to be a Jewish rabbi who warned them not to enter the tunnel or they would die. Fire came out of his mouth. Suddenly, he vanished as a huge explosion occurred in the tunnel that would have buried them all. None of these Jewish soldiers claimed to be religious, but when they told the incident to some of their Orthodox Jewish comrades, they were told that they no doubt had seen a divine messenger from God. Several of the soldiers, whose lives were miraculously spared, said they planned to start keeping Shabbat and attending synagogue. The same apparition, known as the Rabbi Angel of Gaza, has also been reportedly seen by other IDF soldiers whose lives were also miraculously spared. Previously, I've already reported to you about some 200 Gazan Muslims, all having dreams and visions about Jesus and now seeking the Lord. These miracle stories are being reported not only in religious media, but also by secular media as well. This photo of a soldier wearing a Messiah patch on his sleeve was posted on Facebook. 
Without a doubt, the Jewish people are increasingly calling for Messiah to come to save them. An article by Israel 365 News was headlined, Prophetic Foreshocks, Hamas Attacks Stirring Jewish Faith Revival in Messiah. The article states that many secular Israelis are praising the messianic manifestations among IDF soldiers fighting in Gaza. Hundreds of soldiers are seen on social media singing Ani Mahamin, I Believe, before going into combat. The popular song goes like this, I believe with perfect faith in the coming of Messiah, and though he tarry, I will wait daily for his coming. Even a secular member of the Israeli parliament said she was deeply moved by a video of hundreds of soldiers singing, I believe, with complete faith in the coming of the Messiah. Galit Destel Atbarian stated, I want to use this opportunity to stand in the Knesset of Israel and to say with great pride, I, member of the Knesset, believe with complete faith in the coming of Messiah, and even if he delays, she said, I will wait for him every day to arrive, and he will come quickly. She added, My Messiah commands me to dream of peace. My Messiah commands me to wish for brotherhood between nations. My Messiah is eternal. While the article went on to state that putting faith in political solutions, such as the Oslo Accords, amounts to trusting in a false Messiah, and putting one's trust in the so-called two-state solution was also called false and dangerous. Unfortunately, according to Bible prophecy, Israel will embrace a future false Messiah who will be even the dreaded Antichrist. And students of the Bible must face this and not hide the fact from our Jewish friends that their temporary acceptance of the Antichrist is indeed prophesied. However, Jesus said in Matthew 24, 15, quoting the prophet Daniel, when the false Messiah commits an abomination that desecrates Jerusalem's holy place, Israel will have to flee from the Antichrist. This will be followed by supernatural revelation concerning the true Messiah. When the Jewish people's judicial blindness regarding the identity of Jesus will finally be removed by God himself. Meanwhile, prophetic revelation is being unfolded by degrees as Israel is able to receive and absorb it. It's gradual and sometimes imperceptible, yet constant and sure. Meanwhile, the world is turning against Israel as prophesied by the book of Zechariah. The question is, will the present war in Israel or another future war lead to the prophesied counterfeit peace deal that will be brokered by Antichrist? After all, Iran unleashed Hamas to derail peace talks between Israel and Saudi Arabia. Yet the present war with Hamas may ultimately accelerate the counterfeit peace process. To quote the Apostle Paul who prophesied in 1 Thessalonians 5, 3, while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. Many leaders are pushing for peace, but according to the Bible, a false and temporary peace will trigger an unprecedented seven-year period called the Great Tribulation. Believers pray, thy kingdom come on earth, because only when Jesus returns to rule this world 
will peace be genuine. Universal peace will be established on earth for a thousand years during the Lord's millennial reign. According to the Hebrew for Christians website, there's an old story of a wandering Jewish preacher called a Megid, who each year would claim proof from the Torah that Messiah would come that year. A certain Torah student asked him, Rabbi, every year you claim Messiah must come this year, and yet he doesn't come. Why bother making this claim every year if heaven ignores you? Well, the Megid replied, The law states that if a son sees his father doing something improper, he is not permitted to humiliate his father, but must say to him, Father, the Torah states thus and so. Therefore, we must tell God, who is our Father in heaven, that by keeping us in long exile, he is, in a sense, causing injustice to the Jewish people. And we must point out, thus and so it's written in the Torah, in hope that this year he might redeem us. Well, naturally, I found that old story endearing because we believers in the Lord's second coming also continually ask God to send Jesus back to us speedily and in our day. One particularly relevant prophecy that's coming to pass is Isaiah 60, 18. Violence shall no longer be heard in your land, neither wasting nor destruction within your borders, but you shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. The Lord will ultimately bring true peace after the prophesied false peace that's coming. Violence shall no longer be heard in the land. And this was quoted by Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu in a speech demonstrating how apt and current is the word of God. You see, the Hebrew word for violence happens to be Hamas, the definition of which is brutality, such as was personified in the sadistic terrorist attacks October 7th. Actually, Hamas is an acronym for the terrorist organization. But in the Hebrew Bible, the same word phonetically refers to violence 60 times. The first reference, for example, is Genesis 6-1. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of Hamas, violence. Zechariah 14 describes a time of peace that will follow Israel's turning to the Lord which occurs previously in Zechariah chapters 12 and 13. We look expectantly for that time and for the return of the Lord because he said, when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption is drawing nigh. Yet Satan is attempting once again to demonize and destroy the Jewish people. The powers of darkness are forever desperate to discredit the Jews and to sour world opinion against Israel, to the point that even national leaders will claim, as did former French Prime Minister Michel Rocard, that Israel is illegal, an historic mistake. The present atmosphere is so anti-Semitic that should a vote be put to the United Nations today calling for a Jewish state, the vote probably would not go through. The Republican Senator Lindsey Graham from the American state of South Carolina has labeled the United Nations the most anti-Semitic body on the planet. That was after the UN's General Assembly renewed its call for a ceasefire in the war between Israel and Hamas. He said to ask Israel to have a ceasefire after their people were slaughtered 
more viciously than the Nazis, having children beheaded, women raped in front of their parents. The UN is just wrong. In the UK, conservative peer Lord Wolfson told the House of Lords that he is more concerned about the safety of his daughter wearing a Star of David in London than the safety of his son, who was serving in the Israeli Defense Forces. Asking how on earth Britain has arrived at this level of anti-Semitism, the peer was speaking during a debate on the Israel-Hamas conflict. He also mentioned the fear that exists among university students to display their Jewishness in public. University Jewish societies no longer publicize where they are going to meet. The location address is handed out only shortly before each meeting. And we're not talking about some underground group in Soviet Russia, but a Jewish society at this present time in Britain. You see, the controversy over Zion that is seething in the world is simply due to hatred in the human heart toward the Lord, the God of Israel, plain and simple. And directing, instigating this hatred is Satan himself and his hierarchy of evil spirits doing his bidding. Let's not be in any doubt that the spiritual battle is intensifying. Yet the word of God is clear. The Almighty chose Abraham, who became the father of the Jewish people. Secondly, he informed Abraham of the land that he had chosen for him and his descendants. The Lord even chose the name of that land, the land of Israel, by changing Jacob's name to Israel in Genesis 32, 28. The promise of the land is repeated hundreds of times in the word of God and is emphatic. Don't doubt it. But as usual in this present hour, Satan is overplaying his hand. One of his current tactics is to try to hijack Jesus to make him into a Palestinian and to alter the Lord's narrative to serve the wicked Hamas. But thank God the Jews are indignant and they aren't having it. Behold this recent Jerusalem Post headline. Jesus was not Palestinian. We need to dispel that myth forever. This opinion piece in a secular Jewish newspaper wonderfully amounted to a Bible study about the Jewishness of Jesus. And here is an excerpt from the article. Jesus, a Jew, would be in for a real surprise in identity crisis to hear guests on his birthday claiming that he was from Palestine, a term he would have never encountered during his lifetime. Nevertheless, it's that time of year, this article was written in December, when, like clockwork, some pro-Palestinian activists have again begun unleashing social media posts claiming that Jesus, born in Bethlehem, was a Palestinian. In reality, the article says Jesus was a proud, observant Jew who lived in his indigenous homeland of Judea and Galilee. From manger to grave, the myth that Jesus was Palestinian, a ploy designed to invite Christians to support Palestinian nationalism, often morphs into deliberate efforts to deny Jews their history and their sovereignty in Israel. Ironically, as Jews seek to combat rising anti-Semitism, now might be a good time to set the record straight on Christianity's most important figure. Jesus was born a Jew, and he lived in a Jewish kingdom 
located in much of modern Israel, where Jews have now lived consistently and consecutively for 3,000 years. Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day, according to Luke 2.21, and he attended synagogue, according to Luke 4.16, and according to Mark 10.51, Jesus was referred to as a rabbi. And according to Matthew 26, 17, Jesus' last meal was a Passover Seder. Importantly, Jesus hailed from the Jewish kingdom of Judea, also known as Judah, the southern province of historic Israel. The Gospel of Matthew painstakingly detailed that Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in Matthew 2, 1 and that he preached throughout Galilee and Judea. That's according to Matthew 19.1. Jesus also surely prayed as a Jew at the temple in Jerusalem, which he referred to as a house of prayer when citing the prophet Isaiah, and that's according to Matthew 21.13. So you must know that a paradigm shift is indeed occurring when the Jewish people claim Jesus as one of their own, and when they resent seeing him hijacked from their own nation. What does this tell us? It tells us prophetically that the door of the church age is gradually closing and Israel is awakening. History is coming to a climax. God is patient, but his patience will not last indefinitely. Meanwhile, Israel's population has hit almost 9.9 million, representing an increase of nearly 2%. It's estimated that Israel's population will pass 10 million in 2024. Jews represent 73% of that total population. And the Christian population is growing, composing nearly 2% of the population. But while the population of Christians in Israel grows, this is not the case in formerly Christian cities, presently under the supervision of the Palestinian Authority. For example, Bethlehem's population of Arab Christians was reduced from a 60% majority in 1990 to a 20% minority by the year 2001. Similarly, since Hamas took over in Gaza, the Christian population there declined from 5,000 Christians in 2006 to only 1,100 Christians today. Arab Christians living under the Palestinian Authority have generally chosen to immigrate to countries like Australia, USA, Canada, and elsewhere. At this present time, nations are, as it were, sitting for their final exam. I heard a preacher from Singapore said, time was a person failed an entire exam in Singapore if they didn't know the English language. And now, in God's sight, there's another litmus test whether or not a nation passes or fails in God's sight. Nations fail if they are not attached to God's eternal purposes for Israel. And that's God's opinion on the matter. As the Lord stated in Isaiah 60, 12, the nation and kingdom which will not serve you, Israel, shall perish, and those nations shall be utterly ruined. So we must pray for and support Israel in her time of distress. In fact, Isaiah 41, comfort, comfort my people. That's the call 
of every child of God and nation. God's enemies are waging war and psychological operations against his people Israel at this time, but intercessors have the calling and power to contain and to bring down strongholds. Israel needs the watchmen cited in Isaiah 62, who day and night will never give God any rest until he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. So let's acknowledge the centrality of Israel in the eternal purposes of God. Meanwhile, as prophesied in the New Testament, shocking apostasy continues to unfold in the churches worldwide as predicted for the last days. The Pope, as well as the Church of England, have both reversed centuries of doctrine concerning marriage to bless same-sex unions. Also recently, the Methodist Church in Britain released an inclusive language guide advising Methodists to avoid using gendered terms such as husband and wife because these terms are not, quote, the reality for many people, the report claimed. So now the Methodist Church is telling ministers and parishioners to avoid certain words like husband and wife because they can be, quote, hurtful and offensive, end quote. Well, the godly father of the Methodist Church, John Wesley, would surely rebuke the report. The church's new ideology goes along with promoting alternative lifestyle choices. The terms husband and wife are, in fact, biblical-defined roles. As believers, we aren't called to avoid what might offend people. We're called to stand for biblical truth. The Methodist report also noted that other terms, such as brothers and sisters, are unacceptable on the grounds that these words don't take into account our non-binary friends. When the last Gentile is saved, the full bride of Messiah will rise. I saw the screenshot on Facebook. Its origin is unknown to me, but it illustrates individual global believers inside the bride of Messiah. Although the world is becoming darker and more dangerous, there is eternal safety in Jesus, just as the only place of safety in Noah's day was the ark. Yes, indeed, the ark of Noah was God's lifeboat. Church tradition, in fact, identifies the wooden cross with the ark that saved Noah, and a remnant of creation was saved from the Genesis flood. Jesus is truly the world's only Savior and hiding place. His cross can be compared to Noah's Ark as well as Jacob's ladder to heaven. The analogy of Jesus as a type of Noah's Ark of safety teaches many truths. For example, Noah was instructed to make a single door in the side of the Ark. That door was the only entrance. Access was controlled by God who himself shut the door before the flood began, according to Genesis 7:16. Likewise, Jesus said in John 10, 9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. Noah was also instructed to cover the ark with pitch to make it watertight and unsinkable. This speaks of the atoning blood covering by which Jesus eternally saves us. The water was God's judgment, but not one drop could seep through. Because Jesus made atonement for our sin, no judgment can condemn believers as well. 
Furthermore, in Luke 17, verses 26 to 27, Jesus used Noah's ark as a symbol of the last days. He prophesied just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating and drinking, marrying and being given in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. So I'm telling you, Bible prophecy teaches it's high time to be inside the ark of safety. Therefore, our times reveal it's imperative to know we are in Christ, just as Noah and his family were safely ensconced inside the ark. Many scriptures refer to believers being in Christ. To be in Christ means we enjoy a saving relationship with Jesus the Messiah, whereby we are brought into union and communion with him. In order to enter the presence of the Holy God, we must be hidden inside the righteousness of a Messiah. To be in Christ means God no longer sees our imperfections. Instead, he only sees the righteousness of his Son. As Paul stated in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So I advise you, run to the ark of safety, who is none other than the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. He is the door. Judgment is coming, but there is protection and redemption in him. So just to be clear, how do we get in him? John 3.16 says the person who believes in Jesus, in Yeshua, is in Christ. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. So when you believe in Jesus, the Messiah for salvation, he becomes one with you, and you are protected and delivered from the wrath to come. Hallelujah. Our times certainly call for right living. There's no greater delusion than the common idea that everybody is going to heaven in this afterlife. People are under the notion that it's possible to live wickedly and yet somehow rise again to go to paradise. But how can you live without Christ in this present world and yet hope be a saint in the afterlife? Yet carelessly people may live. They secretly cling to the hope that they will be found amongst the righteous when they die. In the meantime, we invite you to continue to find help at our website, exports.tv, reporting on healing and end-time events relating to the church and the nation of Israel. At our website, also at our Jerusalem Channel YouTube site, you'll find a library of videos 24-7. And we invite you to sign up for our weekly email called Exploits, based upon Daniel 11.32, declaring the people who know their God will be strong and we will accomplish exploits. That means we're going to do the works of the Lord in the remaining time before his imminent return. Please feel free to share your thoughts with me on social media, or you can contact us on your phones or tablets through our free Jerusalem Channel mobile app. In addition to our weekly video, we have much more to explore with you concerning Israel events and Bible prophecy through the in-depth articles that I continually post on my free Substack page. So please check that out. 
Today, we'll leave you with Nehemiah 9.5. Stand up and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. And blessed be his glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. Yes, we have to stand up for the truth and the gospel because the truth is what sets us free. Until next time, I'll always be contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem. I'm Christine Dark. Shalom and Maranatha.